Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we help you find and follow Jesus. He's the author of life, and following him is the only way to live life. Originally, this podcast started as a live stream called Theology Thursdays. It was named that because guess what? We talked about Jesus on Thursdays. So you'll hear that name throughout the podcast. Although the name has changed, it is still the same real conversation about helping you find and follow Jesus. So let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to Theology Thursday. All right, the wide shot here. We moved to the family room, if you're familiar with Mission Church. And so we're uh, uh, just testing some stuff out today. We're just glad to be back doing Theology Thursday. Last week, uh, I don't know about your week, but uh, last Thursday, we just were experiencing a lot of like evidence of evil happening in our day and in our world. And one of those was like our internet uh, didn't work for 45 minutes from like 11.45 to about 12.30 on a Thursday. And so that was kind of interesting. We had download speed, but no upload. So it's hard to upload a video when you got no internet. So we're back and hopefully the internet just keeps working today. But we're um, we're gonna try this other camera angle too. Try this other one. Oh, okay. yeah. Ben's, oh, look See, at that. There's there you go. Hey, we're trying <laughs> stuff out. All right, so. we're just trying stuff. Glad out. Glad you're joining us at Theology Thursday. Hi. <laughs> Do I have to leave? I can. Ben, you can't see in the room, but Ben's looking at himself on a TV behind the camera. So <laughs> you just like looking at yourself, I think, on that one. Yeah, go to the other shots. I don't feel okay. like such a weirdo. Is that not good? Do you want to cut cut to this one? There we go. All right, go cut to that one. All right. Some Thanks people for, just are enamored oh. with their own image. Hey, we just got to lighten it up today. <laughs> I feel like we just need to lighten it up a little yeah. bit. Uh, coming to you live on a Thursday in uh, the family room here, hanging out. I'm Scott. This is Craig. That's Ben and Kyle. I did the introduction. They, Our oh, car whoa, is rolling. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lockdown. Lockdown. My lock, wheel's lock locked over here. Down. Okay. Is that a good spot right no, there? It's a little wow. tilted. We'll figure it out. How are we doing? Good, okay, good afternoon, everyone. So, I almost said good morning, but it's 12.03 officially, so good afternoon on this fantastic Thursday. Yeah, that's much better. All right, there we go. We okay? Man, we're just working the kinks out today. <laughs> we're getting it figured out. Hey, but we're online. That's we're online. Big better than last week. That's one of the things about this conversation. It's just real, honest, and in the moment, so we're not scripted. We're not planned. We don't have a, an agenda other than to talk about Jesus. We're all about helping uh, everybody ourselves included, find and follow Jesus and what that looks like. Um, and so we've been just looking at John's account. John was one of his early followers, and uh, he wrote uh, an account of Jesus as well as a couple of letters that are recorded in the Bible for us, and John's eyewitness account of following Jesus. And so that's where we've been for the last few weeks. I don't even know what episode number we're on. I was thinking about that. Six? Five. See, it threw me off last week because I felt like I had a number, and now I don't know what that was last yeah. week. I looked back at him. Yeah, I think six. And well, the, six. Left this hanging. is the same episode number as we thought it was going to be last week because right. there's been no change. So Check. whatever that is, and I still don't know exactly, <laughs> but it's the same. It there is the same. It is unchanged. It's unchanged. But we're here talking about Jesus. Uh, um, anything besides we could jump into that? Anything happening in life? You guys got anything going on <laughs> this last week? Nothing happening. I, I heard there's a pandemic going around. There is but a pandemic. Have you heard that? So speaking of that, I, I, I'll, I'll speak to that. The, just the verse, I have it highlighted in verse, uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 30. We talked about it two weeks ago, I think it was. Um, he must increase, but I must decrease. So I think it's easy when we're going through all this junk and stuff to just focus on it, focus on situations, focus on problems. Um, but I think that scripture clearly says 
Jesus must increase, not me, what I feel, what's going on, what, I, what, what, what looks bad and scary and weird and wrong and right and indifferent or whatever is going on. Uh, Jesus, this conversation is about Jesus. And so as he increases in your life, things get better. Your perspective changes as you begin to focus on Jesus and let him increase in your life. Good point. And we're all a little bit frustrated because uh, we're in, our goal and our mission in life is to help people find and follow Jesus. And one of the main ways we do that is we get people together, to gather people. And yeah. it's been really tough to gather together with people for the last three months or whatever we're on. Yeah. And uh, stuff shifts. You, everybody knows how suddenly stuff shifts. And so it's like, what can we do to help people know Jesus and find Jesus? And we all need connection and community and to gather people. And so it's just frustrating to uh, be where we're at today. And everybody feels the frustration yeah. uh, for everybody's business has changed and in the community and uh, other events where people are gathering. And if you're, you know, having a baby, you know, during this time to have your family gather to see a newborn or a wedding or funeral happening or other events or parties and summer plans. And it's just, it's just we're all kind of frustrated. So yeah. uh, we're all a little frustrated today. Um, just about our current situation, but we're excited about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, Absolutely. So he has not changed. He so is we're going to let him increase and in all that other stuff. That's decrease. right. Decrease today. Yep. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, yeah. um, so we've just been going through uh, John. And so if you've been with us, and that's why this Theology Thursday started really was out of like, hey, how do we gather some people and talk about Jesus? Well, here's an idea. We'll just try it. So this is one of the good things that for me that's come out of... Uh, Having to alt-shift, reverse, delete things in this uh, pandemic season is mm -hmm. to create this. And so we've just been reading uh, John's account, uh, his eyewitness, what he experienced with other people following Jesus. And we're just reading stuff as we go and we just kind of talk about it. And we don't have um, like an agenda that we have to get through a certain amount of verses or a chapter or anything like that. Um, but we're in John chapter 4. And Jesus has this encounter with a, we don't even know her name. It's just labeled as a Samaritan woman. So Samaritan is her, her um, race designation, classification. And they're making that point. She was different than the, than the Jews. So, and Samaritans, according to the Jews, at that point were a lower class people. And the Samaritan were, race actually came about as a result of Jews uh, intermarrying with Gentiles. So they were kind of a, a hybrid of Jews and Gentiles. And this... Samaritan race was partly Jewish, but not really. Right. So the Jews didn't think, oh, you're fully Jew. So they were a little lower class citizen for right. most people. There's a clear case of prejudice and bigotry on the part of the Jews to feel that way about Samaritans or Gentiles for that matter. Yeah. So then that's important uh, because it's... So racism isn't new. No. Racism is not new. Okay. No. Just clarifying. No. And people, people just not understanding God's view of people that all men... We're created by God, and we all come from one man. And so we're all, for, in my view, we're all just the human race, and we're all brothers and sisters from God's creation. And so we make these artificial distinction of people. Um, you know, I, I think for a lot of reasons, you know, when I feel insecure, I like, I like to tear down other people because it kind of makes me feel better for a minute. Um, or it's a power trip of some kind where I'm trying to have some sort of control or perceived control over other people. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's why I find myself creating classifications with people and um, internally, whether it comes out externally or not, but internally it happens uh, frequently. And it's out of my own insecurity, out of my own uh, faults and failures and, that I'm struggling with. So 
Because it, it, it gives light, who she is gives light to the conversation. You kind of have to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're going to, I mean, discuss a lot of what that looks like as the conversation goes on and even some of the conversation that happens afterwards with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, but John takes some time to let us know because uh, it's a big deal, right, That the classification. Again, we don't have really any distinction other than she's a woman, which, again, at the time was oh, yeah. another distinction and, um, you know, a lesser class than a Jewish male. And then, so we know she's a woman and we, should know, we know she's a Samaritan. And John is giving us this information because it's a big deal with what's going to transpire and the way she's treated by right. Jesus, which I think is going to give us a lot of insight into the heart of God for people and the heart of God for the disenfranchised, the heart of God for people who are looked at less than and are looked at for whatever reason. Um, but John gives us two, gender and, and race here, that's going to open up a lot of questions and conversation for the heart of God and for the heart of those who call themselves Christ followers. Yeah. Yeah. And John also, as he's writing this, gives us this background. He points out the fact that this conversation that's about to take place between Jesus and the Samaritan woman happens at the side of a well. And the well is not just any old well. It's, it, and wells in that culture were very, very important because there was no city water. And so livestock and human beings and life itself just depended on there be, being available water. And so wells mattered a lot. But this well has history. It is on the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So this is a piece of ground that has Jewish history, deep Jewish history, deep roots in what transpired um, somewhere around 2,000 years ago, 1,500 to 2,000 years. I'm not sure just off the top of my head at what point Jacob gives this to his son Joseph, but this goes way back to the beginning of the mm -hmm. nation of Israel and the Jewish people. And here uh, they're in Samaritan territory sitting by this well with Jewish history on a piece of ground with Jewish history. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. It's kind of interesting that it's happening there, this right. conversation you know, I, Jesus always did everything on purpose. He has this conversation, and where he has conversations, to me, has extreme significance. Yeah. Um, like, you know, if you just put your a meeting in a different spot, you're going to have different conversation, different results. If, if you want to, like, plan something fun, uh, you know, you go and sit uh, on a roller coaster at Silverwood and, ha and plan about having fun. Like, that would be a different conversation than a boardroom. And, like, what should we do for fun? You know? Right. <laughs> you would have a different conversation. Like, meeting places matter. Or not have a conversation because you're on a roller coaster. Right. It might be a little difficult. It could be short. It'd be like, we should just do more of this. Yeah, you ready? Okay. Ah! You know, like, that would be, your, that would be an yeah. awesome meeting. Yeah. I vote for those more often. Well, and it goes to more proof that... Like, Jesus doesn't live in a building. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, like, he proves that over and over again. But this is strict proof that life change, which you'll see in, happens in this woman's life, at a well, outside, nowhere near a synagogue. Right. Or a church. And I wanted to talk about the, um, the woman factor uh, that you brought up, Kyle, where it's, you know, real interesting because women were property in that culture. They didn't have rights. Uh, they weren't really counted. Uh, women and children were... Um, more like property to be bought and sold or traded or discarded, um, not counted. Like even when we talk about stories that Jesus did, like, oh, the feeding of the 5,000. That's 5,000 men. They didn't count the women and children. Well, why didn't they count the women and children? Because it was a cultural thing. Yeah, because they counted men, and then women and children were not counted because they weren't at the same level. And so just the fact that you have this outside of Jerusalem at like 
not the synagogue, conversation in Samaria, Samaria at a spot where the Jews held was like, this is Jacob's well, who was like the father, one of the fathers of Judaism, having this significant spiritual conversation with a Samaritan woman. Like Jesus is breaking through all of the racial, social, so economic yeah. barriers. He's giving her tremendous value. Like if for no other reason, I just love Jesus because of what he did for women and children. Like he just goes, um, I'm sorry, all you men, you got it kind of backwards here. Uh, you know, and so he just breaks through all of that. And it's really hard for us. You have to pick some sort of current situation, current topic that you personally would think through like, oh, that's a really thing, big thing to jump through racial barriers, whatever racial barrier you would think or social economic barrier for Jesus to sit down and have a conversation with someone is, is amazing. And it's really hard to grasp. And I, I would hate to give an example right, you know, right now, uh, because everybody's view of like what breaking through a racial barrier would be like, you know, and yeah. it's it's racial, social, economic. I mean, it, it'd be it's a hard stretch and go, oh, that's my king. He's sitting down with so and so from, you know, sitting down in a foreign country with this group of people, you know, he's like somebody from ISIS sitting down with them, you mm -hmm. know, in a, in a sacred spot, and it's just like what? And he's like, yeah, just gonna love them and share with them. So that's the setting he's in. We're we're not just reading, uh, you know, page fifteen hundred ninety nine in my Bible. You know, this is like a real life experience that that Jesus had with. Uh, yeah. What page number you guys? Yeah, I was gonna say there's there's one of our big problems. You're right on one forty nine. I'm on page one forty nine. How 149. is that possible? One hundred and forty nine. That's what it says. It's, no, yeah, one forty nine of the new. They probably started over New Testament. Yeah. yeah. Who's counting? I'm eight sixty three. I'm my, I got big. 15, hey, 15. I've got the authorized the guy, version. The this guy is, who counted to 149 was like, <laughs> was like he had to get to lunch early. He's like, well, yeah, about 150. <laughs> just call it. We're good. No, the, the, these are the original manuscripts right here. Okay. I have bound yes. in leather. So back to the story. So we haven't even got to the story, and there's so much setup that we understand culturally, and that John would have understood, and his readers would have understood. I mean, even the fact that Jesus is going through Samaria is a big deal. Yeah, normally Jews, Jews would, would go avoid around. it and yep. spend days in some cases traveling outside and going around because they just didn't associate with the, these people. So again, huge racial tension that his readers would have understood. And we're going to see later that his disciples even understood. And then you have this um, gender issue on top of it. And again, one of my favorite stories in, in the Bible of Jesus um, showing his heart for people in this. And so, I mean, we see this. So Jesus comes to this well and it's, it's midday, which is a time you don't go to the well because it's hot, and and Jesus is on a, a mission. You know, he's, he's traveling through here, and this woman comes by herself, which you also didn't go to the well by yourself. Women typically did it in groups, either early in the morning or late at night, and they would typically travel in groups. One, because it was a social ex uh, activity that they would go together, and two, sometimes for safety if they were traveling at night. So it's weird that this lady is at the well by herself in the middle of the day. Well, she's, right, as whatever, is that she's ashamed. She's trying to hide away from people, so she's going at the least busy time. So she doesn't be seen, and Jesus knows. And I think it's funny, if you look back, um, he, he, like, has to go through um, uh, Samaria. Like, like you're saying, like, it's weird that he's even there. Like, he knows. He has a destiny. This lady has a destiny to meet Jesus that day and have an encounter with him. And, and so I, I look at that, like, no matter, look at her life and, you know, who knows what her past was and all the things Jesus knows, every detail. I look at my life and Jesus knows every detail about my life and he intersects me at the exact time. He meets me all the time, but he, he comes through for me in dramatic forms exactly 
at the right time, and everything is set up. Jesus ha- has me in the palm of his hand in the craziest times, in coronavirus, in racial tension, and everything that's going on. Jesus knows exactly where we're at, and he's got us in the palm of his hand, and he has configured everything. Uh, he's on our side, even right now. And same thing with this woman. That's the same thing he's doing with her, is set it all up for her to meet him at this moment. And anyway, I thought it was interesting, starting in verse 1, the reason why Jesus left. It says the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. So Jesus is gaining some following, and it's, it's creating a little bit of whatever for the Pharisees. Uh, fear, they were afraid that he would get more followers. You know, they were, they were afraid maybe they would have to own that he was the Messiah or somebody sent from God. There's just a lot of stuff happening. So he, he, Jesus learns, you know, uh, goes on uh, verse 2, although in the fact he was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. Verse 3, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And so he's like, there's a rising of followership, and then he, like, leaves town. It's kind of interesting for me always where there's like all this pressure and people trying to do things and force Jesus to do stuff. Then he goes, I'm going to leave town and find one lady and love on her really well. So then he starts the conversation with just a very simple request. What verse are you in? Verse 7. Okay. Give me a drink. He says it nicely. He says, please. Please give me a drink. Yeah. No. Your translation says please? It does. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What translation do you have? I got the NLT. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, he starts off the I conversation with a simple request. About it. And <laughs> I'm sure Jesus was 100% respectful about scripts. it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, of course he's respectful. And it's not, it's not um, out of context for him to ask her to do that because that was a woman's uh, task as a servant to draw water and to serve another individual, but she recognizes all the barriers that are being crossed uh, right away. Um, the disciples are gone. It's just Jesus and this woman. In verse 9, the woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asked me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? Like, what is going on here? She recognizes it instantly. So yeah, she gets it. I'm a woman. You don't need to talk to me again. I, you don't need to treat me with respect. You don't need to even speak to me. I mean, a lot of people in this society would have thought of her, again, like Scott would have said, as property. Why are you communicating with me and showing me respect? I, again, I'm thinking that Jesus did that. And I'm a Samaritan. So there's a racial issue and a gender issue again. And again, I, I keep coming back to it because I think that all the time, and again, I think right now it's really appropriate with the conversations we're having around race and tension and all of these kind of things. Jesus just saw her as a woman who had a need and saw, and we're going to get into some more of that, and saw her as a person that he loved, cared for, and would eventually die for, and she's surprised by that. Like, wait, why are you talking to me? I don't deserve respect. She, she thinks that about herself, I think, in some of these, the context of the way that she speaks, and like Ben referenced earlier, the fact that she's there in the middle of the day probably shows that she doesn't have a very high self-worth, and so Jesus is even in these short little things that we don't really quite understand, is adding value to her. Absolutely. Right. And that's, I think, the conversation we're having around a lot of these things, Black Lives Matter and all of these stuff, is, is Jesus always gave value to people. And Jesus, a lot of times, went out of his way to add value to people who society didn't value. And society says, you don't have value. And I think that's the heart of Jesus. And so all these arguments that people have around these things and all of this stuff, um, man, when I look at the heart of Jesus, he was someone who valued people and value people who 
society said weren't valuable. And I think that's our heart is, as Christ followers should be the same too. Well, and how many times do we come, maybe, maybe don't verbalize it, but how many times do we come to Jesus saying, I don't deserve it. I don't, I don't, I don't deserve any, any of this just even mentally. So we step back from Jesus. We step, mm. we step away because of our shame or because of our guilt or because of our frustration with ourselves, or we don't think we're worthy. And so we just say, we just step back. And that's like her initial response. Um, and she has a conversation with him, which is awesome. But that, how, I'm wondering, I know I do it. That, that encourages me what you're saying, Kyle. Just like, how often do I come to Jesus ashamed, guilty of my, but I love how Jesus never points at people. He, he, he like has relationship with them. He left the masses, like Scott said, to come for one person. I feel like I'm about ready to sing a song or something. Come but, on, you, what do you got? <laughs> Well, he leaves the 99, right? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to sing Craig's song. Oh, we're back. We didn't bring a lamp. Where's a lamp? If you've been watching, you know what the lamp is. So, Yeah, I I was uh, always intrigued. Jesus starts the conversation he's going to have with her with a question. And he did that a lot with people. Like, hey, do you want to be healed? He would start these conversations, dramatic, life-changing moments for people with questions. And I think, man, that's a great Jesus approach just in life to be more curious, ask questions, start conversations versus making statements or declarations, particularly about where he's going with with her life and her personal life. Um, He could have started there. And I just love his approach, his tactic in order to be 100% grace and 100% truth with people uh, that he starts out with this this question about like hey can you give me a drink of water because it's really hot out here because he sat down he was thirsty um in his humanity he experienced the the sun of the desert and the heat of the desert and the walking and said uh water break lunch break water break now after she says what she does like what's going on here i don't get it why are you actually even talking to me culturally that's just not right that's not something i would have expected and he responds to that, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't bite the bait to start talking about all those issues. And not that she was deliberately baiting him, but, but by that I mean he doesn't just say, yeah, you know, now that you mention it, let's talk about that. Why, why do men think what they do about women, and what about Jews and Samaritans, and let's discuss that. He doesn't engage her on, on the basis of any of those cultural, racial gender divides, he elevates the conversation with his response. He said, if you understood who it was that had just said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's talk about something much more important than the stuff that divides us. Let's talk about your needs spiritually and what's going on here. If you really understood who I am, you would have actually asked a different question. Mm -hmm. You would have responded a different way. You would have said something different. So... I, I think that's, again, to Jesus's masterful ability to guide a conversation in the direction that it needs to go. Yeah. Well, she just, uh, and I, I wrote this note, she just doing that thing that we all do, just come from your point of view. And her point of view is earthly things. And this is how she saw life, and she understood life, and there's these separations and divisions of race and, you know, gender and economic stuff that, like, okay, this is just how life views, and Jesus doesn't just engage with her like you're saying at that point he just goes let's talk about heavenly things let's talk about not just earthly things i've got a whole different perspective uh, on life and let's let's just talk about that because it's real life it's true life it's this theme of john to have eternal life um, that he's writing about and the light of the world has come that we would have life 
Um, and Jesus leverages this water metaphor to go, oh, well, you're here for water. I'm thirsty. Let's talk about water. And then let's talk how that translates to living water and eternal life. And, and then um, she responds much like Nicodemus did. Remember when Jesus said, you must be born again, Nicodemus is like, what? That Not possible, bro. Yeah, can't go into my mother's womb again like that's Awkward weird. Awkward conversations. Yeah. And so she, she responds much the same way. Sir, you, you have nothing to draw with. You don't, you don't have a bucket. You don't have a cup. And the well is deep. What are you going to do, reach down there with a long arm and scoop up some I mean, she's, she's processing what he's said, and it doesn't add up to her. It doesn't make sense. Again, because she's coming from her perspective, seeing just the natural the reality yeah, of the world around her in the moment. And she said... So where are you going to get this living water? She's just not getting it. Yeah. Again, and to, to both your points, sometimes we approach Jesus with this thing and this need or this physical thing or review our, our value or our status of this one thing. And Jesus, he, he flips it upside down, right? It's, you're, you're viewing it from a completely wrong perspective. And she's, again, they're talking about thirst. So, it, I mean, I'm not going to falter for that. It makes sense, right? She's like, hey, we're talking, about, we're talking about real water. And he's like, yeah, but there's something so much more. And she goes... So he's using these things, and he's flipping the conversation, and he's, he's elevating it to the actual need, not just the physical need. I think he does that with us so often. Again, we started this conversation out talking about how frustrated we are and how this, this world is weird, and we, there's so many things that we approach from this is the answer, this is what we need, or this is your, your, the policy you need to have or the answer you need to have. And, man, I just found myself in this season just going, well, I'm going to come back to the, the heavenly things and what Jesus is doing. And, God, what are you d- directing us as a church, as a community, as friends, as family, as, as uh, people, you know, in community? What is it that you're doing, heavenly, kingdom-minded things? It's so easy to focus on this stuff, the here and now, the physical things and the needs. Um, I need some heavenly guidance and direction and some spiritual stuff. And so that's what Jesus does in this conversation. It, it, it feels like a hard right turn to her, but for Jesus, that's, that's his approach. That's his viewpoint all along is the things of, of, of God and heavenly things. Yeah. Hey, Rodney has a question, uh, a simple one, but how, how did she know that Jesus was a Jew? Was it because of how, he, how he's dressed? He had That's a he p- said. pin on his lapel. No, I don't with a little flag of the Jewish nation. I don't think there's a star I, of David. I don't yeah. think that. Was it probably not that. Probably not. No, no, probably not that. That's there's, a great question, actually. I'm not sure. Probably by his um, uh, way he was dressed. Dressed. They were traveling. I mean, there's probably several different factors. We're just speculating, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the way they talked, the language they use. If somebody from Canada drives down here and starts shopping in Spokane, you start talking to them at Costco, you'll be like, you're not from here. <laughs> you, hey, about either, okay? We're just going to get ourselves some uh, toilet paper headed back up. Is that Canada? Where was I going with that? I don't know. It was like Canada and Minnesota. In Minnesota. Mixed. I can only do it. It's definitely Minnesota. not Alabama. Or yeah, Alabama. yeah, I think hey, it was. Bobby hey, y'all, y'all yeah. got toilet paper around here? No, what are you, you doing now? You just know sometimes when people talk, the language they use, their dress. What was the toilet paper one? Where was that from? Down south? Y'all, y'all got toilet paper so, here. So back to Rodney's question. Um, Probably so not helpful, It's a great Rodney. question, Rodney. And, and as we responded to it, we did something that commonly we do uh, when we're studying God's Word, reading it, trying to understand it and apply it to our lives. We, and we, we do this routinely and regularly, but we don't off, often point out the fact that this is what we're doing, and that is we go from what the text actually tells us to what we speculate might be the case. And yeah. so the simple answer to your question is we don't have any idea from this text how she would actually know that he was a Jew. There are some reasonable suppositions, and so we responded with that. And so we just want to be uh, honest with ourselves and, and with God as we come to His Word uh, some things just aren't revealed to us. They're not in the text. 
No matter how hard we try to find them, they're just not there. And um, they may be somewhere else in another part of God's Word. Uh, there may be reasonable uh, assumptions that we can make based on culture and understanding of the times and all that, which we just did. That's not wrong, but we just need to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we go beyond what the text actually says and try to fill in some of the blanks. And, uh, and that's, that's a healthy part of the process, but we just need to be honest that that's what we're doing yeah. and come back around eventually to the bottom line is we don't know how she knew. We don't, but we know she knew because it was but clear we do to know her. She knew. So the group of disciples were there, and then they took off, went to get lunch. Uh, they could have been just talking in Hebrew as Jewish people mm-hmm. and not Aramaic or Greek, which were real common. So you're in a different kind of country where you're in Samaria. What was their normal dialect in their town? What would they normally speak? And then hear some people speaking a whole different language. Go, oh, Hebrew. They're mm-hmm. Jews. They, yeah. Nobody else that non-Jews don't really speak Hebrew when they're all talking to each other with Aramaic or Greek. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely speculating, but we do know she, it was obvious to her because she goes, now, you're a Jew. Yep. Now she goes on. She says, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Now that's interesting because Jacob, as you pointed out, is one of the forefathers of the Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, the, the Jews prided themselves uh, on their heritage, their forefathers. But here the Samaritans are doing the same because... After all, they are partially Jewish by intermarriage. And so she is laying claim to the fact that Jacob is their forefather, that they're on land that Jacob once owned, and at a well that was Jacob's well and so on. So uh, she's using that as a starting point to pose this question. Well, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And, and I think she's, she's going, she's responding to the claim that Jesus made that if she understood who she was talking to, that she would have asked Jesus for living water. And Jesus, uh, she's still wrestling with this. Well, how do you get living water? Because Jacob, this, this well has been around here for a long time. And Jacob and his sons and all the generations since then, they never got living water out of this well. What are you talking about? Because, yeah, right now she's addressing the claim less about the water and more about the person, right? Because Jesus says, makes a claim about himself. And then the, the, the secondary phrase is, you would ask, if you knew who I was, you would know what gift I have. And so her first question has to do with him, not just the gift. She's going to get there and go, yeah, give me some of that. I want that. That's good stuff. But right now she's just like, wait, you, you're not greater than these, these people that we put on the top echelon of what we think of as the greatest forefathers and people in the history of what they've done for us. And you're not saying that, are you, Jesus? So she's addressing the fact of who he is and the claims that he's making about himself, which was common, right, which ultimately led to Jesus' crucifixion, is yep. the claims about who he was and his person, and then secondary, what he could do and what he would do. But it was always this, wait, you're, you're claiming some things that are pretty audacious about your, you know, that you are the son of God, you are the living God, you are the light of the world. You're, you're claiming some stuff that is stepping on some toes of some religious people, Jewish people, and even we see here a level religiously that the Jews would have said lower than them in Samaria. They go, hey, we still believe this stuff, and you're not claiming to be that great, are you? And he was. He sure was. She wasn't getting that point. And then, like you said, she wasn't quite getting the gift part either, what Jesus was actually offering. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus is talking about uh, I'm going to give you and you'll, uh, some water. You'll never thirst. So who knows what she understood about living water, right? And then, he, and then it goes, uh, it'll be a spring 
of water welling up to, to up to eternal life. And that's when she wants it. She goes, yeah, yeah. that sounds pretty good. Sign me up. I'm yeah. In, I'm so in, I'm never I'm thirsty, in. and I don't have to come to the well. Like, what is she thinking? Like, She's still not getting it. There's, like, a Colgan water fountain inside of you? Like, what? Again, what I don't is, have to come to this well in the middle of the day, and I can hang out and do my own thing? Yeah, yeah her man. perspective is still earthly I don't have to come in the things. middle of the day when this is hot and avoid yeah. all the people? Yeah, give it to me. I don't need to thirst again. Like a magic bucket that is always full of water. Like what, I'm, what, I'm really curious what she's thinking because she's not quite getting like eternal life. She's thinking literally still yeah. earthly perspective. I don't have to drink to be hydrated, right? Fresh bubbling water inside me. That's cool. You have a, a bubbly, a bubbly, a bubbly. Like, not a sponsor. A, not a sponsor. Could be. You guys could reach out. We'd love it. If you're watching bubbly, <laughs> could be a sponsor. We uh, would. I would put bubbly, bubbly <laughs> logo <laughs> everywhere. Okay. And we digress. Okay. Um. But this bubbling, okay, I'm going to leverage that. This bubbling water, like, like it's just always there. Um, you know, one of the things about following Jesus, I think, that gets kind of confusing is following Jesus, Jesus' presence is inside of us. We've talked about this before. You can't point to the kingdom of God and go, there it is. There's a building. There it is. Oh, we drove by another church. There it is. Like, no. Uh, Luke, Luke chapter 17, I read that a couple episodes ago. But you can't point and go, there's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of God because it's inside of us that the eternal life, this living water, the light of the world, and we collectively are the dwelling place of God. Too long? And you're talking about Christ followers, not Kyle just Yonan human again. beings My sermon in too long? Sorry, Man. <laughs> Wednesdays are my late night. You this, know this. This is going to be, come, I'm going to start having a conscience about can't this. Not like, yawn. I am talking. out of coffee. So. Anyways, but it's this artesian type well. Like this spring that is not forced, that is always coming up. Artesian? Yeah, you like that? If you drank Ooh. this kind of coffee, you would never be tired say, again. Here's oh, the, I see what you did there. Da, That's da, da. good. An artesian well, you crack the surface, it's always coming up. You don't have to go get a bucket and go down. I think with a lot of people, and I find myself in this spot too, with following Jesus, you're like, well, Jesus is far and distant. Somehow I have to kind of manufacture a bucket and a rope, drop it down there, Hopefully, Jesus is paying attention, yep. gives me what I need for life. I will scoop up the necessary stuff. I can only hold this amount in my bucket. I will reel it back up. I have to come once a day or once a week like to a Sunday gathering in a building, reel it back up, have my little bucket, kind of ladle a little bit out here and there, preserve it because I only have this much Jesus. And then when that, oh, and then, then my bucket's kind of faulty because I'm broken. There's holes and cracks, and then like water leaps out, leaks out. And then, like, well, I got to go back to the well once a week or once a day for my 15-minute Devo, and I got to, like, go down and get my bucket. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's and good. so if we live life experiencing following Jesus that way, like, you don't know who it is that you're talking to. And if you know who it is, you would ask him for the living water, him inside of you, that is overflowing, bubbling, artesian well. You can't stop it. It just comes. It just comes. That's good, dude. It just comes. That's and worth so, the price of admission right there. I'm not yawning anymore, dude. I'm in I on got that. you. I, I got was you right back there. around. I'm, I put it I out there. That's social. good. It's really Rewind good. it a couple times. Listen to that. That's but it's so a good. living, it's a spring of water welling up inside of you, and it's eternal life. And you, we live from, like, you don't have to manufacture Jesus trying to, like, do something in your life. It is. He is there. He is present. Yep. Uh, yeah, I wrote that down. That's so good. Cause a couple she's, weeks ago, and I was like, oh, that's a good one. I'm keeping that one. Because she's, really she's going to start figuring that out, right? Yeah. again, Jesus is going to start pointing to some of the things in our life, <laughs> and it's, it's going to go from even, I think, the way we view it. Like, oh, wait, so it's not set on my behavior? It's not a magic bucket I right? just carry around. And so Jesus is going to start pointing to some things. For us, it's like, well, but I made a mistake last week, or I did something yeah. wrong. So this, 
I need to go to the thing and do the thing or get the guy to do the thing for me or sacrifice the thing. Like Jesus is like, no, nah, it's, it's there. I'm there. It's constant, and we're going to do this thing together. And I think sometimes we just look at our situations and our circumstances, and again, talking kind of the same thing I've been saying, like, does Jesus have enough for me? Mm-hmm. Enough grace for me, enough provision for me, enough life for me. Well, and he this, does. He does for most of us, Ben. <laughs> I, I, I can tell when Craig's about to be sarcastic. Usually, what? felt it coming. So, oh, but that, I mean, that just this is what Jesus is saying. Like, if you understood, so he's saying this to us, right? We want to take everything that Jesus is saying to different people because this is a love letter to us. So this is written specifically to us today, and Jesus is saying, "I'm enough for you. I'm the artesian." Did I say that right? Yeah. I like it. Nope. How do I say it? Close enough. Artesian? Artesian. I'm the artesian well that never runs dry, and I'm enough for you. I got enough love for you. I got enough acceptance for you. I got enough peace for you. I got enough money for you. I got enough um, acceptance. Like, Jesus is enough, and he's enough for us right now in the middle of this. And it's it can be turbulent. It can be frustrating, but Jesus has enough, and he, his well never runs dry. And so Craig's well at his house does run dry. It does. And it's it has. It, it has. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Nope. I don't. <laughs> Let's focus on pleasant things. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So, so I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I like your point. So it's, it's great. It's real clear. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's, he's saying this is a gift that, you know, if you just asked me for it, I would have given it to you. This is how this works. This is what it is. It's awesome. And then um, she says, oh, well, sign me up. I'll yeah. take some of that because I don't Sounds I don't good. want to make trips back to the well again and again. She's still not quite getting it. But, but he's probably also anticipating what's going on in her heart because he changes the conversation. He does. He takes a left turn, he takes right a le- turn, Well, it seems like turn. a left turn, right? He, go call your husband. Now, he says that because he knows what's going on. Yeah. He knows that she's had five husbands, and we'll, you know, the next verses tell us that. And she's living with a guy at the, at the time, not even married to him. And so why does Jesus bring that up? Like if grace is the point, why is he bringing up her failures? Because he's trying to help her realize that the grace, the living water that he offered her in the beginning was being offered even though he knew all those things about her. And that's your point, that, that, that he's enough, that his grace is sufficient. And he does so. He, he knows every failure, every fault, every sin, everything about you. And that still doesn't stop him from offering living water to you just like he did her. And he's, and he's just helping her. Listen, lady, there's nothing you're hiding from me. I made the offer that I made knowing full well who you are and what you've done. Yeah, that's good. I think he just keeps drilling down those layers that, like Scott said earlier, that we would. Is that a well joke, well point? No. Keeps drilling down? I think he continues to go deeper in those areas that we, we talked about earlier that people, I mean, she's already, again, she go, she's going, there's a gender issue, there's a race issue, and now there's this, like, righteousness issue in her mind that, like, yeah, other people probably shun me because I am I'm not married, I'm worthless. Again, Talk about property and ownership back in the day. The fact that she didn't have a husband made her less valuable in society because she didn't mm-hmm. have an owner. I mean, how messed up is that? Like she, so she's her value. So he's not only going gender, class, race, you know, value, righteousness. I make mistakes. I've done things wrong. And so he's answering these uh, a few things by saying this. I think he's using this as a way one to answer the question that he didn't really answer earlier. Yes, I am who I said I yeah, am. Let yes, me prove it. I am. Let me prove it. Let me tell you. Greater than Jacob. You want look, look? I'll tell you about your whole life. She goes, Yeah, you are. You know yeah. some stuff. You're you're a bigger deal than I thought you were. You're as big a deal as you said you were in this living water thing. So he's answering that by saying, 
here, I'm going to prove it. And then, and then he's, you know, continuing to go to what you said, Greg. Yeah, and I'm offering you this despite the fact that somebody else would say, no, she's a woman. She's not valuable. No, she's, a, you know, a Samaritan. No, she's a heathen, right, or whatever it is. And, again, we use all of these things and whatever Sinner. it is. Pick whatever it is, yeah. And he's going, nope, I don't care that you've had five husbands. I don't care that you've made mistakes. I don't care that you're an outcast or you think you are. I don't care that you're a woman, that you, this is your gender or your class or whatever. He's going, you are still valuable. Yeah. And even more so, I'm offering these things to you because Jesus always did that and chased the one. Yeah. yeah. That's where so, the price of mission, too. That's okay. really good, Kyle. I'm awake. <laughs> I didn't yawn. So, so I love her response. It, it makes me smile every time I read it. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Right. <laughs> like, you know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, he, he just gets through reading her mail, so to speak, as the expression goes, like telling her, hey, I know all about you, and here's a few things I know about you, and he spells them out. And she's, all right, I guess maybe you're more than just a guy, just a Jew, just a person standing or sitting at this well yeah. having this conversation with me. You must be more than that. And so she, she elevates her view of Jesus, but she still isn't realizing who she's talking to. She doesn't realize that she's speaking to the Messiah, the, the, the incarnation of God himself, the second person of the Trinity. But she at least acknowledges, eh, you must be a prophet. You must have some kind of an inside track here to be telling the things that you know about me and be so right on like you are. And, and I, to me, that illustrates the fact that for all of us, it's a process. We, we come to Jesus initially with a perception of who he is, and then it's a journey through life of discovering who he really is and then who he wants to be in our life. And, and our perception of him becomes more clear. Uh, it's never complete, but it becomes more clear and more accurate over time if we continue to walk with him. And uh, no doubt that's going to happen for her as well. But right. her first step was she went from you're just a guy who shouldn't even be talking to me to you're a prophet, and pretty soon it's going to be, oh, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. Right. It escalated pretty quickly because it's... It had escalated quickly. <laughs> it's yeah. hard for us, right, to put ourselves in this situation, but as I try to, to be there with her, who she doesn't know, stranger walks up, but then it's, it's not a stranger because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character never changes. Mm-hmm. So his approach on how he approached her was flawless, was 100% respectful, uh, valued her. It's her creator sitting down with her. So it, she was sitting next to and having a conversation with love because Jesus is love. She was sitting and having a conversation with grace because Jesus is grace. It's not like, oh, he had grace in the conversation or he no. had yeah. bits of truth. She was sitting next to grace. She was sitting next to compassion and peace and, and we, truth. And truth. And you just go on and on and on. And and he he may have brought up other things. John, you know, gave us his Cliff Notes version, right? He, they may have had a longer conversation, and he may have told her more and more things about her life. But why are these things recorded? Well, these are the some of the shameful things that we like to hide and not lead out with. Like, hey, I'm Scott. I've been divorced five times. Like, what? <laughs> so the you, things you that have? the things that she's trying to hide, he that. brings up, and in such a way that we know her response is not to run away. And be shamed by it, but to go and tell other people to come meet this guy. Yeah. yeah. And so, when's good. the last time you met somebody that like brought up some quote unquote bad stuff, like your well going dry or whatever in your life? And then you're like, oh, hold on, let me go find a bunch more people yeah. for you to talk to because my experience this, with you yeah. was awesome. You're attractive. There's you're something attractive. about you. Oh, wait. That you talk about me the out shameful on my, yeah. parts of my life. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's attractive. Let me yeah. go find more people. Right. Because that's Jesus. That's the character of God. Yeah. And, and then she gets into, 
Oh, you must be a prophet. Let me deflect the conversation away from me. Yeah, the next verse is, I think, a deflection. Let's talk about religious things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Jesus is like, let's talk about you and your story. Okay, let's talk about should we meet as a church or not in this time of our uncertainty with our governor. Let's talk about what the president has to say. And Jesus would go, let's talk about your heart. Yeah, yeah. And that's funny because you said this. Jesus doesn't take the bait. And I'm thinking it's Tom McHugh, but Cindy said, great point about Jesus not taking the bait on the hot topic of the day. He just spoke to her heart issues. As Christians, it's important not to take the bait of starting an argument about things that separate us. We need to show love. For yep. just so true. Right now, like there's so many lightning rods you can talk about with your neighbors, with the people you hang around. So many lightning rods. Um, and it's easy for all of us. We all talk about them too. But it's like, can we divert it enough and talk about love and, and love people first and show our love for people first? Because that's what Jesus does. He's like, yeah, that's a hot topic. Let's talk about you because I love you. And he shows that to her. He's not just there to point out her faults. That's not, that's not the whole. No, no he doesn't lead with that at all. Having a religious conversation and argument about where is the right spot to worship doesn't change someone's life. But that was apparently a big thing that was going on Huge. in the culture. Everybody right. was, yeah, they were polarized. Well, she was trying to get this prophet, this Jewish prophet, to side with her and be like, no, yeah, your spot of worship is better yeah. than the Or Jews. you should meet or you shouldn't meet. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, During a I heard from this guy, pandemic. Samaria, that's the spot over on this mountain. We should hang out here. And it, he knew all the things. He knew all the things. So, he, so we're good. Our side is bolstered. We, we have got the a new stamp of approval. It's, he's a we got the ringer. New we're going to be yeah. a new dra- We got the first That doesn't pick. change anybody's life. Jesus, encountering Jesus and surrendering fully to him changes people's Isn't lives. Isn't it amazing how issues just don't life. change over 2,000 years? Like, there's just, people this, are happened, people. this happened now, is this happening, and it happened 2,000 years ago. And it happened 2,000 years before that. Yeah. Amazing. And Jesus is just looking, verse 21, he says, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Um, and he goes on, um, verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has now come, so 2,000 years ago, present, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about a location. It's not about a building. It's not about something that, you know, set structure of religiosity and an order to follow. But it's Jesus, God of spirit, and he's looking for worshipers that are worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And, and when he makes that point. That's a wonderful, freeing, beautiful thing. That really yep. is. It's awesome. And, and, then, and then she does a little bit of a left turn again. Because she responds to that instead of saying, well, that's a good point. Let me think about that. Let, that let me blows let that your whole world Everything, up. yeah. It's I mean, all it's, about a place. It's at drastic this point right. in history. But, but she says, the woman then said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Mm-hmm. And when that one comes, he'll declare all things to us. Like, how is that a response to what Jesus just said? I think it is because I think inside, yeah. the Holy Spirit's helping her realize, oh, who you're talking to isn't just a prophet. This is the Messiah. And right. she's starting to have this inkling. So she brings up the subject of Messiah. It's like, well, I know this. When Messiah comes, he'll declare. And Jesus just leads her right where she's already wanting to go. And he says to her, I who speak to you am he. He's Boom. The Messiah. That's a mic drop. Mic drop. Mic like mm-hmm. drop. Gonna... The dramatic music built, and it's like. Boom. And then her Boom. eyes get this wide, and we fade to commercial. Yeah, and so Wait, we're going to... I think no? it's the dramatic moment. I think it's the it's celebration. Just, we're going to fade. I mean, she definitely had some divine revelation. She she made that statement. Are you greater than Jacob? He's going, yes. And he declares the Messiah, you know, his... 
who he is. He's the Messiah, the one that they've been looking for. Uh, so we'll pause there for John chapter 4 just for, for today, and we'll pick up the disciples come back, their response, the town, and what happens in their life. I did want to read um, just in light of all the racism and conversation going on in our country and in light of what Jesus is, is helping us understand through this one experience he had with a Samaritan woman, again, like we talked about at the beginning, at a, out of country, at this sacred spot and all that kind of stuff, um, that be, there's uniqueness in all of us, and that should never go away. The value of one another were created by God. Uh, but because of Christ, Galatians 3.26, I just was thinking, man, unity in our, in our land, in our world. You know, we're looking for more common ground and unity. So verse 26, Galatians 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And we're Abraham's seed just because Abraham was a father of faith, and faith uh, in God made Abraham righteous, no law. He wasn't Jewish. It was pre... Um, About 600 years yeah, before the law Israel was Israel and Judaism. And so if you're a person of faith, faith in God, faith in Christ, uh, that it doesn't take away that Kyle's unique and offers gifts and then what he brings to the world and does good and the, his part in the body of Christ. But it strips away all of these artificial distinctions that we've tried to make. Like you're a woman and you're a man and you're a Samaritan and you're a Jew and you're an American and you're Middle Eastern and you're black and you're white and, and you're, this you're brown party. and you're fat and you're tall and you're short and you're left and you're right and you're moderate. And we just have all of this stuff. And because of Christ, like we're all image bearers of our Heavenly Father and we're created in His image. And that we could be united because of Christ and what he did for us, that we're brothers and sisters because of that, yep. and that we don't have all these artificial stuff that we've created that separates us more than it unites us. And I think so we good. can do that in a way where it doesn't dis diminish people's uniqueness in expressing their culture and their history and their family upbringing and, you know, on small and large scales. I think we can do that and still embrace all the uniqueness that we offer, but yet have unity because of Christ. That's yep. so good. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just have to, I mean, I, I got to be honest, we, as we talk about it and I think about it and I look at it, like, there's four white dudes up here talking about it, right? And that's, I mean, that's tough for me sometimes because I don't know what it is to not be a white dude in America. I don't. But I look at the heart of Jesus, and I look at what he did in this conversation. I look to the, the words that people like Paul said about unity and love and acceptance, and I can go as my, as my heart as trying to be as close to the heart of the Father. God, Jesus gave value to people who didn't have value, and I want to do that, and I want to help do that to the best of my ability. And again, I want to look at people the way God looked at them. And I think we all do, and there's ways that we can do that better, and the ways that we can learn, and uh, we're just trying to be humble in that. And again, at the end of the day, I look at the heart of God and go, man, he was so good at that. I want to be really good at that, too. I want to add value to people. In this story, he added value to, a, in the culture, someone who most everyone would have looked at and said, they don't have much value. Yeah. And I think we can do that, too. All right. Amen. Well, we'll, that's we'll, been uh, a great session of Theology Thursday. But yep. And we'll pick it we'll up, pick next it up next week. week. Uh, and we'll keep living life following Jesus because he's the, the best. He is life. He's our eternal wellspring. And he's the, his way is the best way to live life. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and leave a rating so others can find it as well.